Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. Amen. So if you could open up your Bibles with me to the book of John, chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. We'll be reading there in just a moment. When the Empress of Ireland went down with 130 Salvation Army soldiers on board, uh, 109 were drowned, and not one body that was picked up had a life belt on them. This ship was sinking And the few survivors that survived the wreck told how the Salvationists, um, finding that there were not enough life preservers for all of the soldiers on board, some of them took off their own belts and strapped them upon the stronger soldiers, saying, I can die better than you can. And from the deck of that sinking ship flung their battle cry around the world. So for these men, it was an honor for them to sacrifice their lives for someone else. This was true to the point to where they would even compete to the point to where it came to sacrificing for one another. So let's read our text in John 21 verses 15 through 19, which says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said this to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything, for you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show what kind of death he he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. I'm going to preach a sermon this evening I've entitled Feeding Sheep. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your presence here in this place, God. I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would get involved in this message, God, that you would deliver the message that you have for the people in this place, God, that it would not be my words or my intellect, God, but your Holy Spirit, God, that ministers to the people in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus asks him, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? More than these. Now, Jesus' first encounter with Peter, Peter was transformed from a fisherman to a fisher of men. He was changed from a selfish ambition to a compassionate, loving person and an ambition to lead people to Christ. And this encounter in our scripture was like the first one. Peter's first encounter with Jesus required him to stop what he was doing and follow Jesus. Now the question that he's asking, what is he talking about when he says these? 
He says, do you love me more than these? What Jesus is talking about is not clear or specified in Scripture, but we can wonder, perhaps, he was, as they were standing in the boat, he was talking about the fishing equipment and the career of a fisherman. This is all Peter knew before he knew Jesus. And he says, Peter, do you love me more than this career that's going to feed you? Peter, do you love me more than your well-being? Financial well-being, career well-being. Do you love me more than this? Being a fisherman, you can easily translate that in today's world to a hobby as well. Do you love me more than this hobby? So in other words, he's asking him, are you willing to give all this up? You're successful at this. You're good at this. It's a steady job. It puts food on your table. Are you willing to give it up? Are you willing to give yourself up forever for my people and my work? It could have been a challenge to Peter to, to make the final decision to give his life to preaching the gospel and caring for Christ's people. It could have been that Jesus was asking Peter in comparison to the other disciples. And if you remember in Matthew 26, 33, what Peter said, maybe Jesus was reminding him about his words. Matthew 26, 33 through 35, Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. This was prior to this event. Jesus asks him three times, Do you love me? After a situation where as Jesus is being carried away to his death, Peter denies him three times. He might have been asking, Simon, do you think you love me more than your fellow's disciple do? fellow disciples do? It might be that Jesus was looking back to that night when Peter swore that he would not deny him. He might have been gently reminding Peter of that. And when he was all alone, when his courage failed, he said, Peter, are you willing to give that up? The mistakes that you've made and follow me with your future. But Jesus was certainly seeking more than just a verbal confirmation from Peter. This wasn't, you know, like a, a post this and share if you believe it type thing. One like equals one prayer. You know what I'm talking about? What does that really mean? Christianity in reality is more of what you do and less of what you say. A lot of people can talk and a lot of people do talk. But what are you doing? People will always attempt to make it about what we say. You know, you see it on social media all the time, those people that they're posting the daily verse, you know, the day, and then you see them drunk at the bar on the weekend. Sleeping in, hungover on Saturday when we're all outreaching. We can talk the talk, but are we walking the walk? And many, pe many people say good things like, you know I love you. Y'all heard that in high school, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. But was there action behind it? Where was their words? Was it backed up? And the problem with many churches in America today is they have an outreaching message of we love people. 
we love you all, but they don't follow through with any personal action. You know, it's disappointing for me, not as a pastor, not as a Christian, well, I'm not, not as a Potter's House goer, but as a Christian, that the only people you really see outreaching, that I've ever seen outreaching, is Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, and us. That's competition. We should be out there backing it up. If we love them, are we knocking on their doors trying to tell them about the one person who can save them? G.K. Chesterton says this, The Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also tells us to love our enemies, probably because they are generally the same people. When I think about this, I think about my upstairs neighbor stomping around at 11.30 at night. But it's more serious than that. You guys all have the co-workers. You guys all have the literal neighbors, the family members. This is what Jesus is talking about when he says neighbor. It's not actually the person who lives next to you, although they do qualify. This is the people who you do life with. Whether you want to or not. That co-worker who's always ragging on you, throwing you under the bus, this, that, or the other thing. Do you love that person? Because they fall under the same category as neighbor and what you might call an enemy. Jesus was seeking not just words from Peter, but a sacrificial commitment from Peter. Words that would be backed up by actions. And Jesus is speaking to Peter in front of the disciples in this moment. And he's attempting to instill in Peter what God instilled in Jesus. The sacrificial lifestyle of feeding his sheep. You know, feeding sheep, you just think about like, oh, you know, throw some grain out in the field and feed a sheep. But he's not talking about just that. Feeding sheep is an investment. It's responsibility. It's protection. It's not like you go to the petting zoo, you put a little quarter in the thing and you feed the sheep one time. These are sheep that you care after. You buy the food. You're responsible for feeding these things every single day. You protect them. From the wolves in the world. This isn't just a cute little petting zoo. Jesus is saying, protect my flock. Because not long after this, Jesus is ascending into heaven and he's not with them anymore. Jesus is telling Peter, I'm trusting you with my sheep. Jesus links Peter's love to him to a specific action and it's feeding his sheep. And Jesus made it very clear in his ministry how important and how closely linked loving God and loving people is. I mean, that's why Jesus came was because he loved people. John 15, 12-13 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Is he laid down his life for us. Matthew 22, 34-40 says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
Upon these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. Jesus is saying if you love God and you love your neighbor, naturally you will do right. And both times Jesus makes it clear that loving God and loving people are a priority in a Christian's life. And not only are they priorities, but they intertwine. They go together, hand in hand. Loving God and loving people, because Jesus says, if you love me, you love people. And you find favor in God when you commit yourself to helping others thrive in God's kingdom. You see, our success is based in this, in helping people. Philippians 2, 3-4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but the interests of others. You see, the, the challenge to love people was more than just saying, Hey, I love you, brother. It brought Peter a task. Feed my sheep is more than just caring about people. It's caring for people. It's more than just emotions and recognizing a need in people. You can look on the news and find people that need things, that have problems, that have needs, but are you doing anything? I'm not saying look, you know, go find random people, but there's people in need all around us in our daily lives. Acknowledging that need, having even sympathy for that need isn't a true act of love. It's feeding his sheep. Do we really love Christ unless we are prepared to face his task and take up his cross? Luke 9.23 And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This isn't talking about a literal cross. I don't have one at home. I don't think you guys do either. But this is referring to the sacrificial responsibility to live life like Jesus did. Jesus came to serve and love people. To commit his life to people. To the salvation of people. And that's what he calls us to as well. True Christianity cannot be separated from a sacrificial commitment to other people. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You see in this text right here, Paul links sacrifice to worship. I didn't do this on purpose, but that's why when I pray for the offering, I say that we honor and worship God in our giving. That's sacrifice. I mean, I, I would be lying to you if I never said that I put my tithes in thinking, man, I could use that right now. That's a sacrificial form of worship. But that's not what this is about. This is the sacrificial form of worship of taking time out of your day to serve people. Taking time out of your day to reach out to sinners. Loving God and loving people has always been about sacrifice. Are we willing to sacrifice for people like Jesus did? And if we are, we have to remain focused. Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep. 
And there's a lot of things in life that can distract us from this truth. I think we can all attest to that. There's plenty of things going on. We got our jobs, we got our cars, we got our friends, we got our family, and we have flat out strategies from hell. All of these things can distract us from what's important, what God has called us to. Not all of these things are necessarily bad in themselves, but when we allow them to take our focus off of what God has for us, to serve God and to serve people, to love God and love people, then they can become a problem. You see, the truth is, it's in Satan's best interest to discourage and distract the saint from living a sacrificial life. You know, oftentimes part of, part of my testimony when I share it with people is I grew up in church. I've been saved since I was eight years old. But from the time I was about 19 until 27, I was doing nothing for God other than going to church and taking care of myself. The devil was fine with that. He had no problems with the life I was living. Yeah, he would be more happy if I wasn't saved, but he knew I wasn't doing anything. Anything sacrificial in my life to help the people around me. To touch the people around me. It's in Satan's best interest to keep us busy, too busy, to serve people, to love people. And the temptation and the tendency over the years as we become saved for longer and longer like it was with me is true for everybody. We tend to be tempted to stop sacrificing. To think, you know what, I've paid my dues or, you know, it's time to focus on me or I'm getting tired, I need a break, all of these things, whatever it might be. Like, like the evangelist Frankie Chi preached, longevity, it's a good thing. And as the years go on, if we're finding ourselves rolling back a little bit, taking a break a little bit, this is not longevity. We have to remain focused. And that's on the individual level, but as a church, when the church stops sacrificing is when the church stops being the church. And you know what I'm talking about. That's why... We outreach on Saturdays. As a small church, it's to build our church. But you know the big churches, the ones in our fellowship who have plenty of people? They're outreaching on Saturdays too. And usually more than just that. And it's not about building a bigger church. It's not about increasing the pastor's payroll. It's about a love for people and a desire to fill God's kingdom. You see, I'm not here to rag on other churches, but... You have to begin to wonder with this statement, when the church stops sacrificing, the church stops being the church. How many churches are really out there? But like I said, I'm not here to rag on churches. How can we keep our church from falling into that category? A good example of it is I'm looking at our schedule for this fall. We don't have a whole lot of outreach events scheduled. That's going to change. It wasn't that way intentionally, not like we were taking a break or anything, but things get scheduled in chunks. So get ready. Because as a church, as a fellowship, we cling to the things that God calls us to as Christians and as a church. To love God and to love people. You see, Jesus' sheep 
needed Peter. And he's not talking about literal sheep. I think you all know that by now. He's talking about God's people. And just like how Jesus' sheep needed people, there are people in this world that need us. There are people in this world that need you. Each and every one of you. The way that God has orchestrated their life has you involved. And there are people whose conversions depend on your love and your devotion to God. That's a big responsibility. That's not to be taken lightly. And that's what Jesus is trying to get through to Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? Then take care of my people. Because they need you. There are people in this world that will need you. I can't look at everybody all at once, but I'm talking to all of you. So how many of us in this place love Jesus? Then feed his sheep. Because that is the number one focus that Jesus calls us to. It easily falls within the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Because what are we feeding them? It's not a handful of grain. It's not a bale of hay. It's the gospel. It's the word of God. It's the bread of life. So we have to stay focused as Christians and as a church. We must stay focused on our one job that Jesus gave us. Remember that you had one job. Feed his sheep. This is within the church taking care of one another as the body of Christ and going out into the world and seeking more sheep. You see, originally Jesus took Peter's mind from a career in fishing to a commitment in making disciples, to bringing people into his flock. And at the end of Jesus' time on this earth, we see Jesus making the same connection. He's telling Peter, this is your focus. This is your goal. This is what I'm calling you to. Feed my sheep. Tend the flock. Feed them the word of God. Love them. Serve them. Care for them. Because love requires action. When God looked down on us from heaven, He loved us. But it didn't stop there. It wasn't just a, oh, I love you guys, as we sit here and rot in our sin. He sent Jesus to die for our sins. His love was backed up by action. And our love for God should be backed up by the action of loving people and serving people. And I have every head bowed and every eyes closed. You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you come back for more.